Thank you, Erica. Good evening. Welcome tonight. Did you get one of these? These little bookmarks? Those are kind of cool, huh? We made these just for fun and uh, just to remind us, you know, the Ten Commandments, because we're in a study right now in the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20. So let's open our Bibles to Exodus chapter 20 tonight. Again, I've chosen to uh, uh, slow down through this chapter just so that we could look at each one of the Ten Commandments individually. And I've, I've enjoyed just studying each one of those. You remember I told you that the Ten Commandments or the different laws that we're reading, these ten laws, were not given for salvation. They're only given to point out that you're a sinner, that I'm a sinner when you read them. And again, when you read these Ten Commandments and you think about the children of Israel leaving their 400 years of bondage in Egypt, it helps you to really kind of put in perspective why. God has given this set of laws to his children, the children of Israel, for the purpose of establishing a new nation. And he's giving them these laws to restrain man. The Ten Commandments are, are laws to really restrain man. It, you know how, if you don't have a law, if you're a little child, and you can do whatever you want, whenever you want, and say whatever you want, you know, and, and you grow up into a man. It's, we call that anarchy, right? There's no, there's no law. There's no order. And so God has given these laws really to help point his people to this, this uh, area of, of accountability and restraining them, their warnings to the people. And he gives this higher standard in regards to sin. Again, the law is given to really help us know that we're a law breaker. It helps us to understand and be aware of our sin. Here's the scripture. It's Romans 7. Paul writes this. Notice behind me on the screen, Romans 7. What shall we say then is the law sin? And, and Paul says, no. On the contrary, Paul says, I wouldn't even have known I was a sinner except through the law. The law helps us know that we're law breakers and that we need some one from outside ourselves to reconcile us to God. So that's what the law is for. Again, as we look at these laws, we study them. I think they're really important for every believer. Their primary application is to the children of Israel. That's primary. But each and every one of us as believers today can learn something from these laws. And tonight we come to the fourth law. The fourth law, you remember Moses came down from the mountain. He was carrying how many tablets? Two. And on one tablet, you had four, the first four laws. This fourth law is the fourth one on the one tablet, all dealing with our relationship to God. They all have to do with that. All four laws govern our relationship with God. The first commandment, no other gods. God says no one else. That means he wants to be everything or first in our lives. Second commandment, no idols or images. Yahweh, God, Jehovah says no other images of me primarily and the secondarily of any other idol. So no, no gods, no idols. The third one instructs us, we looked at that last week, that we're never to take the name of God in vain, that we're to be reverent when we handle, when we pray, when we say the name of God because he's a holy God. And then this fourth one, the fourth commandment, really completes this set, this first set. 
And it's really about lifestyle and obedience and dependence uh, on God. But it has a a built-in blessing. This is the, the first positive one that we're looking at because it helps us to understand that we are to rest. We're to rest from work and enjoy time with God. So these four laws are important because they help us understand our relationship to God. I've entitled the message tonight, Keeping the Sabbath Holy. We're going to look at verses 8 through 11. Let's pray, and then we'll read that together. Father, thank you for the word. Thank you for our time of study. I pray, Lord, that uh, as we read your word, Lord, that you would cause us to be attentive Help us, Lord, to be here now, to, to turn away from all those things that are, are true and, and, and even troubling, distracting, but to really focus on your word. Lord, speak to us by your Holy Spirit with your word. In Jesus we pray, amen. Verse 8, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord, your God. In it you shall do no work, you, nor your sons, nor your daughters, nor your male servant, your female servant, not even your cattle, not not even the stranger visiting you. For in six days, verse 11, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Now, this commandment, you may know because of where we live in, low, in close proximity to, to Loma Linda, where, where there are many brothers and sisters in Christ uh, who uh, worship on that Saturday. We have to be careful as Christians not to label everybody as aberrant or every other doctrine as just because it's different or a view. But with that said, we need to be careful not to be legalistic. And anyone that puts their trust in a law and not in Christ is not saved by the grace of God, right? So we need to understand that. Um, When I go to Loma Linda and I pray for people in the hospital and I see there's Christian doctors, there's there's Seventh-day Adventist Christian doctors and nurses and staff, and they pray together, and it's, it's a really neat hospital. I like going there. It's, it's just a great atmosphere. You walk in there, and all along the halls, there's Scripture on the hallway. I want to put some up in my hallway. I mean, it's awesome. Have you been to the hospital? And you, you walk along there, and the Psalms are written on the, on the uh, Scriptures on the hallways as you walk through there. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. So we need to be really careful not to be legalistic or trust in the law rather than the grace of God. Whenever you do that, you're not saved by grace. You're saved by works, and thus you're not saved at all. So we just have to be careful of that. But there's still this debate about the Sabbath, and it's one of the most controversial of the ten laws. In fact, there's the Sabbath police if you don't do the right thing. Remember, we studied Mark chapter 2. Remember, it's the Sabbath police. Jesus and his men were walking through the grain fields, and they start plucking the heads of grain. And the Pharisees were just waiting, waiting for the guys to do something wrong. And there it is. On the Sabbath, you're eating. On the Sabbath, you're wrong. You're sinners. You're bad. And remember the Sabbath police? We still have them in the world today, Sabbath police. If you don't do it the way they see it, they view it, then you're wrong. We just need to be really careful when it comes to that. But the Sabbath 
in terms of the Old Testament and the Scripture, has always been on the last day of the week in the Jewish calendar on Saturday is the Sabbath. They would prepare for the Sabbath on Friday. And as soon as the sun went down, Friday night, Sabbath begins for the Jew. And it would run through sundown Saturday. That's the Sabbath day for the Jew. And it's interesting. We just need to understand what it is. I'm going to help you to understand a little bit of that. But there are those that believe that you can only worship God on the Sabbath day. They've translated the Old Testament into our modern times, and they said, if you're not going to worship on the Sabbath, then I don't want anything to do with you, and you're not really even a Christian because you don't worship on this day. Again, when you're leaning on those laws, it's legalism, and it's not grace. It's, that's easy to understand, right? So we need to be careful as Christians. You know, there's, there, I think it's fine if you want to worship God on Saturday. I think that's perfectly fine. I will say that at the end of the message, I'm going to give you reasons why we should worship on Sunday and why it's the way we do it now because historically in the last 2,000 years, that's what we do because it's the Lord's Day. And I'll, I'll give those arguments to you, but again, we need to be careful when it comes to other believers because the theological police, they have a list of activities that if you do them on the Sabbath, you are going somewhere, H-E double toothpicks or wherever. You're a lawbreaker to them. And so, again, we need to look at that. But there are those like me that believe that Sunday is the equivalent, get that word, the equivalent to the Old Testament Sabbath. That now we worship on the first day of the week because of the death and then the resurrection of Jesus Christ that happened on which day? The first day. Mary rushes to the tomb on the first day. Jesus appears on the first day. The early Christians in the New Testament worshiped God on the first day. Not on the Sabbath day, but on the first day. So again, there's precedent in the Scripture. The Old Testament sacrificial system, the priesthood, all the sacrifices, all the blood and gore. It's, we don't do that anymore. Why don't we do that anymore? It's Old Testament. Why? Because Jesus became that final sacrifice, the, the ultimate sacrifice for our sin. And by faith... The grace of God, and by faith we believe and we're saved based on what he's done. He was resurrected on the first day, the Lord's Day or Sunday. And again, the New Testament church gathered throughout the book of Acts. Here's a great verse here. Acts chapter 20, verse 7. Verse 7, on the first day of the week, here it is. When the disciples came together to break bread. Disciples met on the first day. So traditionally as Christians... New Testament Christians, we've always held to that corporate worship service happens on Sundays. Why? Number one, to remember every week, to remember the resurrection of Jesus Christ, to remember that Jesus is our Savior, that he's died and rose again. Matthew 28, verse 1, notice this verse behind me. Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. But the tomb was empty, right? Jesus was gone. He resurrected on the third day as he told the disciples he would. Again, there's no explicit command in the Bible that says that we must worship on Sunday. There isn't one. So I can't be dogmatic. Neither can you. No one can say that and, and be accurate. 
It doesn't say it Saturday. It doesn't say it Sunday in the New Testament. Paul says this in Colossians chapter 2, verse 16. So let no one judge you in the, what you eat, what you drink, regarding the festival or new moons or, notice, Sabbaths. So don't let somebody say that you're not a believer because you don't. And, and he's in a culture that's steeped in Judaism, remember. Paul himself was a Jew of Jews. And so he realizes who he's talking. He said, you know what? When the Jews come and tell you you have to do certain rites and rituals from Judaism, you don't have to do that. You don't have to eat that food. You can eat whatever you want now. Although a lot of Jews, they wouldn't do it anyway. Remember, Peter's like, I'm not eating that stuff on that blanket. And remember, God just totally rebukes him and said, don't you dare call unclean what I call clean, Remember? And so we, we just need to understand that the Scripture makes it very, very clear that we're to worship God, but there's no specific day. But we as New Testament believers worship on the Lord's Day because of the resurrection. And again, I, I, I believe God's desire for me to worship Him is every day. Wouldn't you agree with that? Don't you believe that God wants us to worship every day? It's not a certain day. So you get a person. could be a, 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 a born-again person evangelical Christian that says, you know, you've got to do this on Sunday. And on Sunday, we don't go bowling. We don't mow the grass. We go to church. We listen to Pastor Lee. Then we go home and look at each other as we sit on the couch. Mm, don't move. Don't move. And then there's others that say, you, you know, if you don't worship on Saturday, then you're not really even born again. There's, that just proves that you're not a Christian. I mean, they're both extremes. Would you not agree? We need to be careful again to what does the Scripture say? So this Scripture is interesting. Exodus 20, verse 8, 9, 10, and 11. They're not even quoted in the New Testament. They're, they're never quoted in the New Testament. It's the longest of the Ten Commandments, but they're not quoted in the New Testament. And again, this is the first positive command that we're given here in the Ten Commandments. And let me break these verses down like this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break it down like this. Why was the command given, verse 8? And then verses 9 and 10 specifics about the command itself, and then verse 11, the reason. So we have why, the specifics, and then the reason and application. I really like the way this lays out. But verse 8, here's my first point. Remember the Sabbath day, verse 8. Again, I draw your attention to verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. So God is speaking to who? He's talking to the Israelites. And as he talks to them through Moses, they're at the foot of Mount Sinai there. They've just come out of 400 years of slavery under Egyptian bondage. For 400 years, they've been forced to work seven days a week. And now God gives them a law that says they have to rest. I mean, that would be a blessing, right? I mean, wouldn't you agree? That would be a total blessing to hear that. God wants He's liberated them. He sent Moses to deliver. He's liberated the people that were in slavery and bondage, his own people, and he's miraculously delivered them from the, the tight fist of the Pharaoh who threatened to kill, and he did kill Jewish babies. He was, I mean, Hebrew babies, and he was, he was really a tyrant. And so God delivers his people, and then he gives them this law. He wants them to remember him. And here's the point of my, my, my point here, my main point of the point, remember, God wants us to every week remember him. And in the case of the Israelites, every week he wants them to remember what he's done for them. He wants you to remember by keeping the Sabbath day. 
someone said you could translate this little verse here, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Again, remembering something, just it, it engages my mind. I have to remember, recall something. So God wants his people, Israel, to recall what he's done for them. And by keeping the command, they would recall what he's done. Again, remembering the Sabbath day really points to the very first one, the very first resting day. And this goes before Moses. This goes before everybody. It goes before Adam. This is interesting. It goes before Adam. Here's the verse. It's Genesis 2, verse 3. Then God blessed the seventh day, and he set it apart, sanctified it, because in it he, that's God, rested from all his work which he had created so God has been working six days in creation. Then he rested on the seventh day, and God blessed it. He separated that day. So way before Moses, way before even Adam in, in creation, God separated that day. The word rested or Shabbat in Hebrew means just to cease from work or to rest. You just cease from doing work. It means not to do work, or I like the term resting day. God has created a resting day. It's a Sabbath or a Shabbat. And it all means that God completed his creation and then he just stopped. It was done. It was good. It was totally finished. The universe as we know it, the world as we know it. Now it's changing. The world's changing. You've been watching the Hawaiian videos, you know, of the Hilo and, and praying for Pastor Ron, I hope. Um, I, I get little texts from him every day. You know, he's been going out with the National Guard. He's been uh, checking things out and trying to minister to people as a pastor there. But, man, that, our planet is changing. Earthquakes, lava, just, I mean, that's fantastic. I, I love watching those, those YouTube videos of that stream of lava, you know, going into the Pacific Ocean. It's, it's dramatic. But our planet is changing in that way. But God made it the way it is, and he did it in six days. That's what the scripture teaches. And then he rested on the seventh day. In Genesis 1, verse 31, then God saw everything that he made, and indeed it was very good. It was complete. It was everything that he wants. So on the seventh day, God rests, Shabbat, and then he, he finished. He was refreshed by everything that, that went on. So God has created for us. Think about this. It's cool. He's created us a rhythm for our lives. God has made a rhythm for our lives. We, we have a seven-day week, right? And we work part of our week, and then we break the rhythm with a Shabbat, a rest. Sunday is the day that we're to rest and worship the Lord. Now, in, in the case of the Israelites, it was the Sabbath day. It was the last day of their week. So they would work six days and then they would have this Sabbath. So it's really interesting. The seven-day cycle, when you think about it, and I've shared this with you before when I was teaching through Genesis, but the seven-day cycle, there's no scientific reason for seven days in a week. Not at all. It doesn't calculate mathematically. Uh, there's no reason in that way. When you divide 365 days into sevens, it doesn't work. When you look at our calendar, some months have 30 days, some months have 28 days. It, we had to do a lot to make it work to break these weeks into this rhythm that God wants us to follow, this rhythm of work and rest, 
work and rest. Why? Because God's done it, and he wants us to remember what he's done. He worked six days, and he rested on the seventh day. He wants you and I to do the same thing because he knows what we need. Have you ever noticed that when you follow and obey God's law, things are much better in your lives? Much better. And then when we move forward and we do our own thing and we bumble and trip and fall and skin our knees and it's like, Lord, you know, like, Dad, what happened? You know, well, I told you, you shouldn't have done that. Worn your helmet, whatever. When we break God's laws, there's a consequence. When we obey God's laws, there's a blessing. So God has this rhythm. It's a natural rhythm. And I I just love the truth that, you know, four weeks don't make a month. Sometimes we have five weeks. I know that because, you know, of the Sundays, you know, how they work out and how I do my sermons and all. So there's no real reason to have seven days in a week. But God has established order. Seven is a very important number in the Bible, by the way. It's the number of completion. So God's saying this is the cycle. It's seven. Six days you work, one day you rest. That's his rhythm, and everybody works for that weekend, right? That's kind of what we do. God has intended the day of rest to remind us that he's the creator, that he rested after he made all that we have. We're supposed to stop from work and remember God. So Sabbath Sabbath day is not new. It came before Moses. It came before Adam. And then it was observed by Israel way before Egypt. They they were to to observe the Sabbath way before they even went uh, to Egypt. Sabbath is rooted in creation and in God's plan. So the Sabbath, again, created for rest, created for worship, made for the benefit of man. And and again, we're to remember all that God has done. Now, think about this. God has chosen these people. He's separated them from all the peoples of the earth. Remember, the Hebrew people are just like every other people. God took Abraham. Remember, he sovereignly took Abraham out of his family and chose him. Abraham's dad was an adulterer, remember? I mean, an idolater, adulterer. Probably was that too, but he was an idolater came out of an idolatrous society. They worshiped the sun, the moon, the stars, these people. And so God pulled Abraham out and said, listen, I've chosen you, and this is going to be your job, and this is my promises, do you remember? And so he separated his people. Now he's going to give them laws that separate the people a little bit more. And he wants his people, that would be you and I in the New Testament, to be different than the rest of the world. That's what makes Sunday a particularly important day for the believer. And I'm not dogmatic about that. I think it could be like you're a worker, you're, you're a cop, or you're a, you're a doctor. We need doctors on Sundays, right? Wouldn't you agree? There's some jobs that we really don't need, isn't it? like a cop or a policeman. And so we need to be careful about what we're doing on the Lord's Day. But I, again, I'm not, I, I'm not trying to lay a trip on you. I just think let the Holy Spirit do that work. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you about what you do, where you do it. I think that's really important. It's none of my beeswax. But, but again, we are to, to worship God, and we are to do it uh, together. I'll, I'll talk about fellowship and how that works. Now, that would separate God's people and make them different than the pagans all around them. Every nation around the, the uh, Hebrew nation, they're pagans, and they worship a solar calendar. They worship the sun. They worship when the moon got big, when the moon got really big, you know, they would they'd go out and howl. No, they would go out and worship. 
Because they, they worship the sun, the moon, and the stars. And when you read about ancient cultures and you look at hieroglyphics, whether it's in Egypt or in Greece, you see all these little images of suns and solar systems. And even in Mexico, you know, the big thing with all the different crosses and, and not crosses, but stars and things on it. What is that thing called? That big round deal with the, yeah, that Aztec thing. And it's got all these different images on it. Those are all idols. And they, they were worshiping the cycle of the solar system. But God wants his people not to worship the sun, God wants his people to worship him alone. No other gods, no other idols, his name only. Be careful with his name. And, and on the Sabbath day to remember, in this cycle of life, to remember who he is and what he's done. He's created everything around. So I, I love that whole idea about the seven-day cycle and how it separates God's people, Israel, from all the other people, all the other pagan people around. So remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. But here's the question, and I'll ask it and then answer it. How do you keep it holy? How do you keep the, the day holy, which is a really good question. The next two verses here help us to understand how we're to observe the day as holy. And the big hint is rest, Sabbath, Shabbat. That's the big hint there that we're all supposed to get. But there are three things here that I want to point out that help us to keep the Sabbath day holy. Number one, six days of labor. We start with the, kind of the opposite of rest. That's how Moses is writing here. Notice in verse 9, six days you shall labor. And six days you should do all your work. So there's two sides of this whole Sabbath question. One is the labor side that we're supposed to be doing as Christians. The other side is rest that we're supposed to be doing as Christian, Christians as well. That's the rhythm God wants for his people. Labor, 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 rest. I think I said that six times. And again, when you read the book of Genesis, when you study Genesis, God created that rhythm, six days and then the day, day seven for rest. So God calls his people to be productive. God calls his people to be working hard. We're supposed to be working hard. Did you know that? No slackers in the, in the church. No slackers at work. If you're, if you're working for somebody, somebody is uh, writing your check, somebody's hired you and entrusted you with a job, you should be working hard. This is what Paul says. Look at, look at this verse, 2 Thess 3. Paul says this, for even when we were with you, we commanded this, if anyone will not work, neither shall he, what? Everybody knows that. Christians are to work hard. Christians aren't supposed to look for the easy way out. Christians are always supposed to be productive, and they're supposed to be. God expects his children to work hard. That's what God expects. And notice, that work is not only expected by the father of the house, but everyone in the house. As we're going to go on to see, God expects everyone in the house to rest. So the antithesis would be true, right? God expects son, the daughter, the male servant, verse 10, your female, your stranger, the, everybody in your gates. He expects everybody to work hard for six days and then that rest. Now, I don't know if you've seen it, but in the news over this last week, there's a guy named, what's his name, Michael Rotondo. Michael Rotondo, his parents, Mark and Christina Rotondo, he, 
they are the parents of 30-year-old Michael, who's a layabout millennial boy who won't get out of the house, so his parents are suing him. Have you seen that story? It's back in New York. So they, they took their 30-year-old deadbeat son who's living in the basement. They can't get him out of the house, so they, they take him to court. You haven't followed this. It's, the, it's an amazing story. What a, what a no-good thug, lazy bum. Living. So his parents are in the courtroom. I saw a video today again. Parents are in the courtroom, and the judge has this big grin on his face like, this is ridiculous, you know. They can't get this guy out of the, the house. And uh, again, Michael Rotondo is his name. So they send him, the parents send him written legal notices demanding that he grow up and move out of the house. And this is what his father said, and I quote, there are jobs available even for those with poor work history like yours. Get one. Go to work. That's what his dad told him. And by the way, his, son, or his parents just won the lawsuit, so they're going to evict their son out of the basement. It's a weird, isn't that weird? The world has a strange way, but I think even the Christian that doesn't want to work, Paul says, you don't work, you don't eat. We have people that come by here, they're homeless, and I have compassion on them. And many of them are working. They're, they're at the, the um, off-ramp on the freeway. They're working, right? They're working. And people give them money all the time. Don't do that, by the way, Christian. That doesn't make you a, a, a wonderful person to give them money. That doesn't mean anything. Oh, well, God loves me more if I give him a dollar. Well, all you're doing is promoting that. That's all you're doing. The police chief, the mayor, Pastor Lee, I say don't do it. Now, so what do you do? You can help people. The Holy Spirit will lead you. We have a homeless ministry. We go down there and we feed people. We help them. But don't think that God loves you more because you give somebody a dollar and stop the freeway traffic behind you because I'm the guy that's honking the horn. <laughs> get that car going. No, I don't, I don't get mad at that, but you, I'm sure you understand what I'm saying. It, it's just if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. And, and, and those kind of things just really corrupt our society. So be very careful about that. If you don't like what I say, that's all right. We're, we can still love each other, I hope, as brothers and sisters in Christ. Here's the point here in verse 9, though. God expects you as a believer to work your tail off. He expects you to work hard for six days and then a resting day. That's the rhythm that God has promoted. It's not the union, it's not the job, it's not your boss, it's the one that God has promoted, this rhythm. So six days of labor, six days of labor, should say. And then, my next point here, one day of rest. Look at verse 10. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you, sh you shall do no work, you nor your son, your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, nor your cattle, not even your dog or your cat. Think about that nor your stranger who is within your gates, your visitor. Again, this is a command. Everybody works or everybody rests in this case. Nobody works on the resting day, on the Sabbath day. And it's very interesting. This is a compulsionary rule. This is a, this is a law. This is a command by God. He's, he's commanding that we do not work everyone in the household. And I think he did this because of some maybe uh, harsh father or parent. Well, I'm going to rest because I'm spiritual. Kids, get out there and rake the leaves. Or 
Or, honey, you better go get to work. I'm spiritual. I'm the man of the house. I mean, think about that. So God's eliminated all that confusion even in the home. He says, everybody is going to rest. So no one can be commanding or controlling. I, I really like that. That's, that's a wonderful truth that's also right here in the text. So the seventh day is called the rest day of the Lord your God. In other words, it's his day. The Sabbath is the Lord's day. It's not your day to choose what you want to do. It's the Lord's day. It's his day. And because he rested after six days of work, you and I as his children are to rest after our working time. We're to observe that day. We're to remember God and all that he's done by doing the same thing that God's done by resting on that day. And really, when you think about a day to rest, I mean, it's a blessing, right? God's given us a blessing. I don't know if you work hard. I work hard. Sometimes I work on the seventh day. I shouldn't do that. I like to work. And I'm, I'm sure there's some of, some of you men and women here that just love to work. You love it. It brings meaning and purpose and all those things. It's important. But we need to be very careful that there's a benefit to a day of rest, even for the cat and dog or the animal here in this case. It's always important to rest. So the rest uh, day, it's the Lord's day, and he wants us to observe that. Not a burden. It's not a curse. It's a blessing or a gift from God. Now, again, God is commanding his children, Israel. He's just pulled them out of slavery. They've been working seven days a week for 400 years. Maybe not that long, but you understand. It's been a long time. They've been under uh, harsh commands and slavery. And now God has pulled them out, and he commands them in this seven-day cycle that one of those days is to be the day that's a resting day, or as someone has calculated, seven and a half weeks of mandatory vacation every year, if you, if you calculate those days. These people are ordered to stop working once a week in their cycle here. Uh, it's, it's a wonderful truth. And worship the Lord and remember God. So, again, three things that help us keep it holy. Number one, six days of labor, understanding where we fit in. Number two, one day of rest. And the third one, it's really an act of obedience. Here's where it kind of comes into application. The day is the Lord's, verse 9. Again, six days you shall labor and do all your work, verse 10. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord. So we're, we're to honor the Lord in that. Now, let me, let me just take a moment. I love doing this because it's, it gets done to me when I'm studying. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to project this onto you tonight. Let me ask a couple of questions here. The New Testament is very clear. There's no mandatory day. There is no mandatory day. But it is important for your spiritual growth to meet with other Christians and hang out. So let me just ask the question. How do you keep the day of rest? How do you keep, don't raise your hand or anything or answer, but how do you keep this commandment, the day of rest? What do you do personally as a father in your home? What do you do as an individual? Are you so busy as a college student that you can't stop studying even on Sunday? Well, you know, Saturday we went to the beach, so I needed Sunday to catch up with all my work. Interesting. How important is a day of rest 
to you. Maybe Wednesday for some of you is, is your day to rest. It's, it's the day I don't work, I come to church. I think there's some people that do that. But the, the real question is, do you give God a day? How about just an hour? I mean, do you understand what I'm saying? Do you really give God what he wants? I mean, I've had to think, think, think about this one here. I believe that God has set aside a day. The New Testament church uses Sunday because it's the Lord's day. It's the day Jesus resurrected. We use that day as our day to be with the fellowship. A lot of churches don't have Sunday night. We still have Sunday night here. I, I were in the min, a minority, even for Calvary chapels. Many Calvary chapels, most of the pastors I know do not have a Sunday night. The packing house does, and Greg is a great teacher. But a lot of the churches don't have it because people don't show up. I just, you know, I was to, at the Nazarene church where I went. We always had Sunday night. I came here. John always had Sunday night. I keep doing Sunday night. I think it's important. There are people that come and worship God on Sunday night, just like you come on Wednesday night. It's important, I think, that we should fellowship together, that we should hang out together on the Lord's Day. I think the Lord's Day has been under attack for the last 50 years. I remember when I was working at Vons in the early 80s, in the late 70s, early 80s, I worked at Vons. I carried keys. I was a manager. I, I actually closed the store. It's a Mexican market now, but it's up on uh, Sterling and Highland Avenue. That was Vons when it opened up, and I worked there for about six years. I was a manager, and every Sunday night, I closed at 7 o'clock. I locked the door, went back, set the alarm, came out, locked the door. I mean, I know the inside of that store like the back of my hand. I could go in there blindfolded. I know where the office is. I, I worked there. But we shut the store down. How many grocery stores shut down nowadays, or any store by, for that matter? So our culture has really shifted. We used to have um, lots of places that were closed, even locally and throughout our nation. But now it's really the Sunday is just another day of the week for most people. We're a secular nation. And so as a Christian, that's a challenge for you. It's a challenge for me to keep a specific day and we've worked hard, my wife and I have always worked hard, Sunday is just important, more important than family birthday parties, more important than a lot of other things that we could be doing. Now, again, don't get me wrong, I'm not a legalist here, we need, we need Tim working at the emergency room on Sunday, we need police officers on the beat on Sunday, we need doctors, and there's lots of things that we need because our society is kind of advanced, but there are some things that we really don't need. And I think as a Christian, we need to let the Holy Spirit lead us and, and guide us into those necessary jobs, you know, and, and trust him. Just say, you know, Sunday, I don't want to work. That was my whole thing at Vaughn's. And they actually let me do it because I said, I, I don't want to work. And so I want to go to church. And I had a supervisor, a Christian. He goes, man, he goes, I wish I would have said that years ago. I can't do that anymore because I've been doing this job 20 years. Lee, don't work on Sunday anymore. It, I was, it was a blessing. Because I just said, I, I, I don't want to do this. I have a young family. I want to go to church and fellowship with my brothers and sisters. And so he allowed me to do that. I think sometimes as Christians, we just need to mention it. Now, maybe you're a workaholic and you just like to work a lot. And that's not good for your family. Remember the song, Cats in the Cradle? Interesting song, dads, about 
you're so busy working, your kids grow up and you don't even know who they are. Again, what I'm just saying that we need to rest. There's, it's a cycle that God put us in and we really need to follow it and obey it. And again, I just don't, don't let Pastor Lee tell you what to do. Just listen to the Holy Spirit. Again, there's a couple other things that are kind of my pet peeves, but youth sports, we dealt with that as I was growing up. Youth sports, soccer, baseball, sometimes they become more important than God to people. It's more important to get my child to a youth sport than it is to worship God. Be very careful, parents, as you're raising your kids to do that because once your schedule belongs to the soccer game, you're a slave. Amen? I've, uh, that's happened to me. All of my kids played soccer, my four boys. I would coach every one of their, their teams, but we just didn't do it on Sunday. Well, we got to go to this thing. It's a tournament. So, well, they can be on the team, but they're not playing on Sunday. Of course, I was, you know, leading worship here and part of my job, but, but I didn't want my wife running out there either because you become a slave to that. I believe that character is taught in church, not on the soccer field. The world around us says, oh, you can, your child will learn how to work with other people on the baseball field while the parents scream bloody murder from the stands. I mean, think about it. This is where your children will learn how to know God, how to love God, how to interact with other people, right here in the fellowship with your brothers and sisters in Christ. So, again, I know it's challenging. Pastor Lee, why do you bring that stuff up? Because I've lived it. And I just, it's a warning, it's an encouragement. Let the Holy Spirit again speak to you. Max Licato tells a story of how his little girl rode her bike down her very first hill. And so Max rode halfway down the hill, waiting, you know, kind of to protect her. And down she came the hill, and their bike sped up more and more. The wheels, you know, were spinning. The, 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 her feet came off the pedals. The steering wheel was going all over the place as she buzzed by him and ran into a curb. It just got faster and faster and faster. She said, honey, stop. She goes, I forgot how. That's, that's how leaving Sunday happens or sin in the believer's life. We, we start going downhill, and it just goes down, 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 and pretty soon it's out of control. Just an illustration to help us understand. Again, verse 11, three reasons for the command, kind of application here. Look at verse 11. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. There's the reason, because God did it. That's, that's the reason. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. So here, here are my three reasons for this command. Number one, a blessing of bodily rest. It's a blessing. It's that rhythm I've been talking about. It was found in creation. God developed it. And again, obeying the Lord is such a blessing. Six days, God made the heavens and the earth, rested the seventh day. So the Sabbath is to be a blessing for all of us. Jesus said this in Mark 2. I alluded to this earlier this evening. The Sabbath was not or was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. The resting day was made for man. That's, that's God's intention for man to have a rest. Again, God made the Sabbath to benefit man, not to put him in bondage. The Pharisees and the scribes had put man in bondage with all their extra man-made laws on top of the Ten Commandments. And over 
several thousand years, they added and added and added, and they upshifted each other, you know, and put more uh, legalism on the people. So the people couldn't move, they couldn't walk more than paces, they had to have a string that, you know, on, on the Sabbath day, they could only walk so far, uh, as far as I can go, and be holy, still be holy. The, the restrictions they put, so Jesus is walking through a grain field on the Sabbath, remember the story in Mark 2? And just tells us, guys, oh, see the Pharisees over there? Guys, nibble a little bit. It was free. It was okay to do. They, it, was, it was gleaning. They could do that. It was part of God's uh, offering to those that were walking on a long journey. No 7-Elevens in those days. So the people are walking by, they get some grain, and they winnow it, and they throw it up in there, and they get grain, and they just have fresh, raw grain. Great little snack. And the Pharisees police, man, the, the, they just jumped on them, the Sabbath day police. You did it on the Sabbath. You remember the story? And Jesus says the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Again, Sabbath is for man's rest and to worship God. But the religious legalists, they had, you know, turned the benefit of God into bondage for the people with all their endless rules. The Apostle Paul says the Sabbath day was given really as a shadow of things to come. Here it is in Colossians. So let no one judge you in food or drink or regarding festival and remove Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come. But the substance is Christ. The Sabbath points to the cross, points to Jesus Christ, the Sabbath rest. Jesus gives us rest from our sin. He delivers us from the bondage of sin and death. Jesus is our Sabbath. And so really, this, everything... The law is really a shadow. Jesus is the real thing. Now we have Jesus, so we don't have the temple anymore. We have Jesus, so we don't have rites and rituals, sacrifices, blood, the Sabbath. It's all been abolished. The temple, it's all been abolished. It's gone. We don't have the Sabbath. Gone. New Testament believers worship on the Lord's day, the first day. Again, we have the blessing of bodily rest. Number two, this, to set us apart from others. Again, verse 11, for in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and all that's in them, and rested the seventh day, and he blessed the Sabbath. So th this really is the first time God blesses anything in Scripture. He's blessing this day. It goes back to Genesis, as I've told you, but blessing you and I with his rest and fellowship. Every week it's a reminder of God is so good, his grace. God has blessed us. God's died on the cross for us. We have forgiveness of sins. I'm, isn't that great to be reminded weekly? Your brothers and sisters that interact with you and pray with you, all so important that we go through this rhythm or cycle. So we worship together Wednesdays and Sunday and Sunday night. We come together in fellowship, worship and prayer and God's word and encourage and build each other up. It's really sets us apart from the rest of the world. Just like it set, the Ten Commandments set the Israel, children of Israel up, apart from the pagan world around them. Worshiping on, on Sunday for us really helps that, sets us apart. Number three, it keeps us holy. Therefore, verse 11, the very, very end, the Lord blessed the Sabbath and he made it holy. He hallowed it or made it holy. Again, when God made something holy, sanctified it, that just means he set it apart for specific use. God sets his children, that's you and I, believers, he sets us apart for a specific 
use. If we don't go to church, if we're not in fellowship with other believers, if we find other things to do in our lives week after week after week and don't break the cycle of Sabbath rest, we're going to end up going downhill faster and faster and faster. We need that break every week. Now, real quick, in closing, four reasons I believe a Christian should really keep a Sunday as a Sabbath. And this is my view. This is my opinion. I'm not dogmatic or mean about any of this, but I I just believe that these are important. Number one, the Sabbath day, it's rooted in creation. It's not rooted in man's law. It's rooted in God's law. It's not in religious rules. Came before Moses, came before Exodus, but it's still relevant for you and I to worship the Lord and break the cycle every week. Six days of work, one day to worship the Lord. Number two, this is a blessing that God's given to you and I to break the cycle. It's encouragement out of obedience that we break that cycle and rest. He wants, God wants fellowship with you and I. And he dwells within his people. The Bible says he's in his people. And when his people come together, when two or more are gathered in his name, there Jesus says, I'm where? Where is Jesus? He's in the midst. So we gather together on Sunday. This is the day we've chosen, Sunday, because the, the New Testament church did it. And we have this time of fellowship and worship. We need that. I need that. Number three, it's a reminder that God is sovereign. He's the creator. He rules and reigns. He made the world. And as we get together again, it's like, God is awesome, God, a marvelous God. He's wonderful. Number four, meeting on the Lord's Day was the practice of the New Testament church, as I've said, Jesus being raised on the first day. Paul in 1 Corinthians 16, he asks the believers to to. To, we, we need to take an offering for the poor saints in Jerusalem. Remember, he asked the believers in Corinth. I was there in Corinth. I, I, I can see it right now. Paul's in Corinth. And he's asking the believers. He's asking the believers to give, you know, to, to give to the poor believers. And he says in 1 Corinthians 16, he says, On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper. Because the believers met on the first day. Again, Sabbath is a blessing. We're not dogmatic about it. You can be a believer and and work on Sunday. And you need to worship on a certain day. You need to break the cycle and you need to rest. It honors God. It remembers God. It puts God first in your life. He's sovereign. And I get to see your lovely faces and worship with you too. I enjoy Sundays. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the word tonight. I just ask, God, that as I've shared the word, that you would, by your Holy Spirit, make it true and applicable and and, uh, filter out all of of, uh, my thoughts, Lord, and and replace them with your truth. I just really pray, Lord, that the believers here, only a few here, maybe I should teach this to the church, but just to encourage them, Sunday's an important day. It's important to you for those reasons I've given. And I believe you do honor those who honor you. Lord, may we as a church honor you by worshiping you. Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and that these, your people, would hear your word and obey. For your glory, for your great name, we pray in Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand together.